Welcome to College Football Picks with the Professor. 2023 College Football Week 14 Conference Championships. Because of Jared, we're coming off yet another stellar week. A yeah. great sides, 15 and 6. They mm. were already positive for the season, and now they're positiver. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. two, two and three on totals. When you're not picking remedy, it's what's gonna happen. We still have a 6% around the season. So I mean, I'm not I'm not concerned. It's just when you pick five, you know. Yep. It's small sample size stuff. It is what yep. it is. Yep. Yep. Good. Great weekend. Great weekend. Great weekend. Yeah. It was. It was a good way to go out with the regular right. season with Hawaii plus two hundred mm. as an A grade money line pick. That was yeah. just yeah. lovely. Yes. Uh, yes. Florida State getting it done for us uh, late night. I mean, it was just a, a great weekend all around. Uh, we've got some. Good games this weekend. It's obviously a small slate. Ten games. We're going to cover seven of them here. Um, I'm excited for this weekend. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a great great weekend. And uh, it's I, I'm not sure if I can remember a weekend where like more chaos scenarios for mm. for the for the playoff. It, I felt like in the past few years it was always okay. This team wins, this team's in, if this team loses, and this team wins, this team is in. And now it's like there could be any combination of teams winning and teams losing. And I feel like it will, um, you know, create very little clarity unless, you know, just Alabama loses again and uh, Texas wins and Washington beats Oregon again. Like you just, there's like one scenario where everything works out well. We still have four undefeated teams playing for Power Five conference championships, and that has never happened yeah. before. Yeah. There was the year, the infamous year, a long time ago, that we had three undefeated teams, and the computers uh, picked between the top two. Um, but we've never had four, and obviously we haven't had <laughs> we don't have four yet. A lot of these games are pretty coin tossy, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, the probability that all four win. I mean, Michigan's probably going to win. That's a that's a different, different win. But yeah. but between yeah. between Washington and Georgia and Florida State, I mean, any of those teams could lose, and it wouldn't be the craziest thing nope. in the world. But uh, the fact that it's still in play is crazy. We haven't even had that much chaos this year, as evidenced by the fact we saw four undefeated teams. I was thinking about it this weekend. Ohio State, with the great win at Notre Dame. Losing by six on the road to the best team in the country, and I'm sorry about whatever the you know committee says or whatever. Every analytic system that's worth salt has Michigan number one. Mm-hmm. Like how you play matters, mm-hmm. and Michigan's the best team in the country, mm-hmm. at least as of right now. And that doesn't mean that they're going to win the championship. It just means they're the best team. Mm-hmm. And Ohio State having one loss on the road by six to them with a great win at Notre Dame in any other year, they're like. 90% likely to make the playoff. Like they're probably yeah. in. Yeah. And this year it's hard to find a scenario where they're in it. They need like yeah. the maximal chaos. They, they need yeah. like, you know, Texas to lose for sure. And Florida state to lose for sure. And then mm-hmm. the right set of other things to kind of happen to get them in, which is just crazy. Yeah. Cause they, they've had a good season and yeah. they're still a top five. They're one of the five best teams, but again, we're not looking at the five best teams to get the playoff. We're looking at the resume. Right. And, and that's, yeah. that's a slightly different thing my rankings are about who's healthy today and how good you are today, which is very different from who deserves to be a base off the resume. Yeah. Florida state, obviously, you know, you are probably not one of the four best teams right now with their star quarterback being out. Of course, that's a huge deal, but 
resume wise, if they win, they, they should be in full stop. And there's like any argument to the contrary is ridiculous. Uh, right. So again, we also, but those are two different things uh, here, but yeah, a great slate, a lot of potential chaos. And we'll start off right into that chaos on Friday night with Oregon and Washington. First though, as a reminder, if you're not with us yet over on Dub Club, I'm throwing the same promo code here as we do on college basketball. The promo code CBB2023 will get you your first month for $9.99. That promo code is good through the end of the month. Two really good teams. Model thinks Oregon's the better team. I believe they are favored. I'll have to confirm that. But uh, Model likes Oregon better than Washington. Here's the thing, though, is that the model thinks that the pace of this game isn't going to be quite as frenetic as the first game was. And when you think about rematches in the title games, the rematches tend to end up where the opposite of whatever succeeded the first time succeeds the second time. Cause you got a lot of film on exactly what not to do. Yeah, right. Yeah. And these offenses do <laughs> the defense is, yeah at this point exactly what to do i'm leaning more towards a defensive game here we're gonna go under 67 and a half cousin jared the model projects 57.6 and i feel like a lot of picks in this show are kind of contrarian picks and i think it's because you're gonna have a lot of people putting a lot of money on what seems obvious but yeah. if everybody's doing that that's gonna open up value for us on the other side there should be a lot of points in this game but a lot of points can still be 60 or 63 or 62 Mm-hmm. It, getting to 70 is going to be a tough task, especially with the what's at stake for both of these teams. Yeah, uh, I feel like it's going to be a little bit more measured than that first game was. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And specifically, like if you look at the matchup of Washington's offense versus Oregon's defense, uh, uh, Washington, I, I like they've been winning. So like, I, and I'm not taking that away from them at all. But you look at how they were just dismantling teams earlier in the season. And as the season has gone along, it's kind of been, uh, I, I think you may have mentioned it uh, last week, TCU-ish, where it's they, they find just enough each each week to win, whether it's offensively, defensively, they kind of do whatever they need, need to do to win. But this Oregon defense isn't anything to, to shake a stick at. I mean, they, they are pretty good. And if Washington and Washington is completely uh, you know capable of, of turning it up and scoring a lot of points. But if Washington plays anything like they have this past month or so, uh, I, I mainly since that that um, last Oregon game, uh, I, I think that Washington's going to have a, a tougher road than they did in, in the first matchup of this one. I, the thing that would concern me if I'm taking the under here, which we are, is <laughs> both of these coaches – um, profi- uh, the ability or, or their, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They are usually going to make the, st- uh, the choice that statistically gets them the most points. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are going to optimize the score of the game. And there were a lot of points in the, in the last game. And every call, at least that Oregon made, that was you know optimal for scoring points did not go their way. Literally, if any one of those things would have probably gone their way in that first matchup, they probably would have won. Um, so yeah. that is what gives me pause. And I think that's probably why this number is so high is because you feel like Lanning's going to go for it every t- almost every time that, that it makes sense. Uh, you feel like uh, DeBoer is going to do the exact same thing. Hell, Oregon may go for two for reasons unknown, like in the first quarter. You just you just never know. And so I think that is also contributing to this. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. There will probably be a moment or two in this game where you're like, 
get a little uncomfortable with the under 67. But again, I, I feel like that's why we've had success this this season is because we are willing to kind of zig when other people zag. And yes, this game could be high scoring, but there's also a lot of ways this game could go under a big number like 67 and a half. Yeah, this is one where it's not going to take but a 10-minute stretch where there's just like one field goal. Yep. And it's going to make it real tough to get to 70. Yep. Um, you talk about, there's a lot of things I want to react to of what you said there. It was a, it was a great, great points by, by you there. But you talk about the uh, analytics and being smart before over. And it can create situations with more points. Absolutely. If you're talking about going for around midfield, then that is going to lead to more points one way or the other because the high, the highest expect, expectation of points is now the team one team or the other has the ball in midfield versus punting and someone has the ball thrown 10, which does not have a lot of expected points. But it could manifest itself. We don't know. Last time it worked out that way, but it could manifest itself kind of how it worked a little bit last game where you're going for it at the two-yard line, and if you get stuck, then you get nothing. Mm-hmm. And now then the, and the reason you go for it there is, of course, because then – you know, if you get a stop, you get great field position or whatever, but then the other team could get two first downs and then punt, you know, so it could manifest itself in a different way. We just don't really know. Uh, it, it gets scary. I think it gets scarier because every midfield gets a midfield fourth down. You're like, just please punt. This is perfect. Punt yeah, yeah. Need, but but they, they won't do that, unfortunately. Yeah. But here's the thing is both these coaches have been doing that all season and they absolutely have played in some higher scoring games. But you look at what Oregon did to Oregon State last week. That game had 38 points in it, and part of that is like Oregon's defense is really good. They only allow Oregon State to score seven, but they only scored 31 themselves. If they score 31 against Washington, it's that's not going to be Oregon's favored by nine for a reason, right? And my model has them at 9.1. Like they are the much better team. I'm sorry if you're a Washington fan again. You've had a great season, but you know again. You just saw it against Oregon State. Which team looked better against Oregon State, right? It, it, yeah. It's in and home road aside, whatever. It, none of that matters when it's this big of a difference. But even the game before that against Arizona State uh, with Oregon, that got to sixty-two. Uh, even USC only got to sixty-three. Like, how is that even possible? Um, yeah. There's just been so many of these games that these teams have played that have gone under a number like this, and. The first time these two teams, I think the reason this number's high, the first time these two teams played, it got to 69, and it could have gotten in about to 80. Because yeah, if Oregon yeah. had made some of those fourth downs, I mean, it could have easily you know, gotten even higher. Yeah. And I think people are looking at that and saying, oh, well, like it should have gotten to 80 last time. Why won't this one? Well, again, you have – it's not just that you have the tape about what to do differently. It's that the players can watch it, and they know what they did. And so now when they're it's it's different when you're watching tape of someone else. Now you're watching tape of yourself and you're like, okay, now what am I going to do to not do that again this next time? Like, and so I think that's going to really help. And it's not to say that these offenses aren't really good. It's just, that's going to give the defenses just a little bit of a boost enough to keep this, I think a little bit more lower scoring. Uh, but yes, you have to be able to make the uncomfortable play. Cause if you're just making the comfortable plays, you almost assuredly are not getting good expected value because Everybody else knows all that same stuff too. So you got to find right. a way to zig when other people zag. Sometimes it's just contrarian. Sometimes it's because it's database. In this case, it's kind of both. I think our data indicates that the pace of these teams is just not as lightning fast as you think. The defenses, especially with Oregon, much better than you think. And yeah. Washington can kind of get stuck in the mud a little bit. And you've seen that a lot in the back half of the season. If they get stuck in the mud against Oregon's defense, this game is going to be Difficult to get up to 70. So under 67 yeah. and a half there. Cousin Jared, your key number on this one, 66. 
I believe. So really it's 67 and a half, 67, 66 and a half are where we want to make sure we get the best value. The model would still indicate to play it below that, but that's kind of yeah. where we're getting our maximal value as long as it's 66 and a half, 67, 67 and a half. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. All righty. Moving on to Saturday, Oklahoma State versus Texas, a game that almost didn't happen. We almost got a rematch of Red River and my goodness, the Big 12 is as thrilled as literally anybody, probably more thrilled than Oklahoma State is, that yeah. that didn't happen. I mean, you're, you're sitting, I'm sitting there thinking like, is the commissioner just going to skip out on this game and just not even go? Because like, that's just miserable if it's the two teams yeah. leaving playing for conference. Thankfully for them, Oklahoma State survived uh, yeah. that that wild game that, that BYU, I mean, they just pulled out all the stops. Props to them for, for that. They, they had two great chances BYU did against Oklahoma State and the week before against Oklahoma. Couldn't quite get done. Um, Texas has a great defense. Their offense is what's been more impressive as of late. Their offense yeah. is really clicking. We've known the defense is good. Oklahoma State's offense is on fire as well for the most part. Not every single week because they're kind of erratic. Oklahoma State's not a great team. There's a reason the spread is 14. Uh, you know, Texas is the big favorite. That doesn't mean they'll win. Again, who knows the sports, but you know, Oklahoma State can be a little bit erratic, but the defense, look at that defense. Oklahoma State's defense number 104 in the country, according to the sideline. It's just, you saw it against BYU last week, starting Retzlaff. That's not a great defense the way they allowed him mm-hmm. to get up into the field. But the pace that Oklahoma State's playing with, it's almost like Gundy's gone back to old school Gundy right here. We're, we're doing a throwback yeah. Oklahoma State team. Offense better than the defense, fast pace. We're projecting 60.4 points. So we're going to go over 54 and a half. Key number here, 55. So this is a run, don't walk. Lock this in at 54. We want the winner at 55 because in general, the model thinks the key numbers you should be worried about are 58, 59, 61, 62, whatever it is up there. Uh, What are your thoughts? I mean, who would have thought that Texas's offense would somehow (laughs) get better after Brooks got hurt uh, because he had been, he'd been playing so well. Um, this season. So I was a little surprised by that. The thing is, is that Oklahoma State is not the team that is going to, in my opinion, stop Texas, uh, Texas's offense from continuing that role, uh, because this Oklahoma State defense is uh, questionable at at best. Uh, But yeah, Oklahoma State offense has has looked great. So um, I think there's a lot of ways that this can win if if, you know, Somehow Oklahoma State keeps it close. I think it, it has to be in a high-scoring game. I mean, again, look at yeah. where their defense is, is rated. That's the way they're going to have to stay in this. Is they're going to have to try to get into a shootout. Um, but the thing is, is that you know Texas could win this game like I don't know, forty-five to eighteen, forty-five to seventeen, something like that. And, and so um, I just think there's a, a lot of ways that it could go over this number on both sides. I cannot wait for all of the awkward box shots uh, with uh, Brett Yormark at this game. And, you know, when if if and when things are going very well for Texas, how dejected uh, Yormark looks at, at, at some point. Or if we get uh, Yormark just like, you know, visibly cheering on Oklahoma State, because um, that is also- <laughs> Just shows up just in Oklahoma State gear, just one. Yes. Yeah, and so, yeah, I, I think there's the potential for a lot of uh, aw- awkward scenes uh, in, in the crowd for, for uh, this game. Let's talk about Oklahoma State for a second. I want to go through game by game. I'm not going to read the scores, but I want to go game by game real quick. Central Arkansas is FCS. That doesn't count. Arizona State has no offense and has an all season. Even from the start, they had quarterback issue. That doesn't count. They gave up 33 to South Alabama Mm. at home. That's not good. They give up 34 to Iowa State, and that's about as high as Iowa State gets. I know they played in a higher scoring game with Kansas State, but like that's on the higher end for them. 
Mm-hmm. They only gave up 21 to Kansas State, and that was probably their best defensive output of the year. They gave up 32 to Kansas. They gave up 34 to West Virginia. Cincinnati was terrible. They don't count. Uh, Oklahoma, that was the other one, the weird one. They only gave up 24. So they've, they've had two great performances for sure, Kansas State and Oklahoma. Then they gave up 45 to UCF. They gave up 30 mm-hmm. to a bad Houston team who just fired their coach. Yeah. And, of course, they gave up way too many points to BYU. Like that's just not a good defense that gives up a yeah. lot of points. And you have to assume Texas is going to get at least 30 probably closer to 40. So yeah. to me, this could go under absolutely weird things can happen. You could end up with fourth down stops and missed field goals and red zone turnovers or red zone turnovers are the death of any, any over. It seems like, yeah. but in general, you have to assume that Texas is going to get, you know, most of this themselves. And then maybe Oklahoma state, you know, can keep it close and it turns into a shootout and there's 70, 80 points. And it's just a wild old school one last time. Yeah. type game or maybe they kind of run away with it but we still got a great shot to get to 55 here we always talk about the value of numbers this is one where just want to be careful what number we're playing it at because in that blowout scenario we're going to be sweating this one out which is fine mm-hmm. we, we know that every bet can lose there's no locks in gambling so we know that that is a scenario that is on the table um you know, if it's a shootout, great, we've got it covered. If not, we still got a chance to win, but we will we will be wanting every point and half point we can find. So the 54 and a half, yeah. pretty key there. Also in the early slot will be some action. Miami of Ohio and Toledo. Uh, Cousin Jared, this has been – I feel like we've talked a lot of action this year. <laughs> we've loved this Miami of Ohio team. We've loved them last year. Uh, the model likes Toledo and thinks they're pretty good as well. This should be a, a fantastic game. We've got Toledo at number 21 in the country. That seems fair. Uh, they're somewhere probably in that ballpark in the, in the you know, maybe a little bit mm-hmm. lower, but I mean, they're, they're, they're very good. They're, they're yeah, not at yeah. the top, you, you know, of that, but I mean, they're a very good team. Miami Ohio, I think quietly at 41, people don't realize that the defense is so strong yeah. for this Miami Ohio team. Their offense lags and that's where, uh, you know, they fall back a little bit, but the model thinks that Miami Ohio can win this one out of three times. So cousin Jared, you talked me into playing the money line here at plus 260. It just ekes into A grade value. You can also take the points if you're taking eight, eight and a half. You're talking right around low B grade value there, uh, as long as it's seven and a hook. If it gets to 10, that's a little bit more exciting. You know, you talked about this. You're splitting your bet personally. Yeah. We don't have the capabilities to do that in the coding that I have for displaying results because part of the biggest thing about this is transparency, and I just don't have it set up to do that. So mm-hmm. we don't have it set up to take both, but I am with you. I do advocate splitting your bet here, putting a tiny bit on the money line, a little bit taking the points. This should be a defensive-oriented game. People don't realize that Toledo's defense is better than their offense. Mm-hmm. Low-scoring game, you want points. You want big plus odds because you don't know what's going to happen because every score matters a lot. Defensive score could really swing it. I mean, could be some wild action here at noon on Saturday. What What are your thoughts? So, okay, for, first of all, I want to address the total on this game because I, I like the total here at, as well. So the people on Doug Club will be able to see what that projection is. The thing is, is we have just been um, – I mean, you, you showed it when, when we started uh, the show. I mean, our results on, uh, you know, money line picks have just been unbelievable the, the back half of the season. And so for, for me, even though I may feel like I like both plays just as much, it's just I've got the statistics to back up that what we've been doing with the money line plays have been working out really, really well for us. Uh, we talked about it a little bit on the college basketball show. Uh, also like having incentives aligned when it comes down to the end of the game so we don't have to worry about any funny business, you know, 
we want, you know, the team that we want to win, they want to win too. And so, um, you know, we, we, we like that, man. I just, I, I don't know if I'm making, obviously like sideline thinks that there's value here too. So like, it's not just me saying this, but I don't know if this is with my, my head or, or with my heart that I'm making this pick just because this Miami, Ohio team has been so good to us for, for the past two years. Um, what I will say about Toledo is this is probably, I don't, I feel like a lot of the Toledo teams in the past few years had the potential to do this. I feel like this is the first Toledo team that hasn't like really stubbed their toe uh, mm-hmm. multiple times at, at points during the season because they seemingly always have the most talent in, in the Mac, but they'll always lose that random Tuesday night game on the road against Central Michigan or or something like that. And Somebody so, gets hurt in November yeah. and it like derails the last three yeah. games of their season. Finn, Finn is questionable like the entire back half of the season and plays half <laughs> right. the games and doesn't play half the games. Right. And so, you know, there, there's always a lot of that going on. That hasn't been the case with Toledo this year. This is mm-hmm. the, you know, the most consistent that they, they have been. And so usually in this scenario, I'd be like, yeah, uh, I, I absolutely love Miami, Ohio. Who knows what you're going to get from Toledo. They always seem to have a couple of disappointments a year and we haven't got that yet, but I still love my Miami, Ohio here. I mean, that defense n- number, number 21 and, uh, you know, the offense is at a disadvantage relative to Toledo, but that defense is just so good that I think, you know, they can keep keep them in the game. And like you said, if we win, if if this play wins 34 percent of the time, like sideline says, this is a, a positive expected value play. And that is all that, that we are looking for. And so, um, you know, I, I would also say that every time that I feel like I have laid large odds like. If, if you wanted to back Toledo at this game, in this game, I feel like that's never worked out for me mm-hmm. this season uh, on the money line. If you're going to lay like minus 300 or, or something like that. So I definitely feel like Miami, Ohio is the, the right side from my experience this year. I feel like it's the right side that, you know, from what sideline is saying. Um, for me, if, if you're going to make a play on this game, I think it's Miami, Ohio or, or, or pass if you're, if you're playing a side. Um, but man, plus 260 is just too good for me to pass up with this Miami, Ohio team that I just I just love. I just love Miami, Ohio. You mentioned the favorites in, in the last two weeks on study hall for our people over on Dub Club where we talk about every single game. I've pointed out with Notre Dame, like, hey, they're a team that just like they take care of business and they beat the crap out of those bad teams. Mm-hmm. And I advocated laying the points with them both times. And that worked out. We've we've long talked about Penn State being a team that, you know, other than that one game this year, uh, laying big odds has covered every single time. They, they, they struggle, obviously, with Michigan and Ohio State, but they can be, beat right. the other teams, right? Other than those two teams, I'm pretty sure favorites are like over on the season. I don't think a single one's ever, ever <laughs> won or covered. And I know yeah. that's wrong. It's, it feels like that. And yeah. I know that some have, but yeah, it's like it just has not gone well. Anytime you're thinking about backing favorites, and obviously some favorites have won. That's that's just you know that's yeah. whatever you want to call bias, perception bias. I don't know what sort of bias it is. I should know that probably, but I'm not a teacher anymore, so I don't have to know that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think you make a great point here that this could be a tight game, anything can happen. These odds are just too good to pass up. If you want to split your bet, that makes a lot of sense as well. And the last thing I'll point out is that last week, even on the money line, we only had a C grade pick on Miami of Ohio. The model wasn't like overly thrilled to back them, but the model has been very high on Toledo and I color code Mm -hmm. the edges. I, I run everything in R 
And then I bring things into Excel to kind of visualize and to get it ready to present to everybody. And part of that visualization process for me is I've color coded on the edges that the math indicates. And we're constantly with the, the, the deepest shading for those edges on Toledo. The model has loved Toledo relative to the market. Mm -hmm. So I think it's fascinating that in, in, a, in a season that has been the last several weeks, we have loved Toledo for the most part. Uh, that lo and behold, these two teams are playing each other and the model doesn't love Toledo, thinks that the market's given them too much respect. Yeah. Obviously, the loss of Gabbert has hurt Miami of Ohio's offense. Yeah. They were looking great before that, but they've still been okay since then. And that okay should be just enough to hang in, uh, especially given the strength of the Miami of Ohio defense, which yeah. takes us to Boise State and UNLV. San Jose State, we had them as a plus odds, money line, dog, A-grade play last week. They come through, get the job done for us, and lo and behold, they don't get to play in the mm. conference championship game because a bunch of nerds with computers <laughs> didn't like them. Now, yeah. now, to be fair, they aren't using the smartest and best analytical systems, right? Because I would have put San Jose State in. If you're a San Jose State fan, if you're not, then I wouldn't have. I, maybe we'll that. <laughs> I look in terms of who's playing well right now. Obviously, we've been really high on UNLV as of late. We've loved the way San Jose State's played. We've talked about this the last month a lot. How how good they played. Mm -hmm. uh, so you ended up with just a situation with teams playing well down the stretch, and then you had, of course, Air Force right the opposite of that. Just couldn't yeah, Fresno yeah. State the opposite of that, right? So it's just yeah. the Mountain West was a lot of fun this year, yeah. and it'll wrap its season up with this. I've got UNLV at number fifty nine, Boise State at number sixty one. So two barely above average teams. This is. Not a home game for UNLV, but it acts like one, given that this game mm -hmm. uh, is going to be played. I believe it's not one. Is it an actual home game? I don't even know anymore. This is at, it's a home game for UNLV. There you go. I was yeah, like, I know this is in Vegas. Yeah. It, it, the Pac-12 is playing there, and they're playing there, and then I get confused with college basketball because like there's like six conference championships in there. So it's a home game for UNLV here, and that's why the model thinks they should be – they win 56% of the time because otherwise this is a straight-up coin toss game. Two good offenses – two questionable defenses <laughs> to put it nicely the model yeah. says UNLV should be favored cousin Jared we love us this our specialty our bread and butter mm -hmm. the wrong team favored WTF game which is yeah. actually a pretty appropriate acronym if you, if you yeah. think about it there UNLV yeah. plus 126 A grade play cousin Jared we've done really well with these plus odds Mountain West what the heck's gonna happen no one knows it's just like plus odds yeah. if you're right 50% of the time you're making money and that's what we've done all season and that's what we aim to continue to do what are your thoughts I mean I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago if if UNLV dispatched of Wyoming easily after everything they had done this season I was I was gonna love me some some UNLV and I still have a lot of respect for them the San Jose State thing last week I'm not phased by that because mm -hmm. we talked about San Jose State had been a hot team at the right time. Uh, Cordero, probably the best quarterback in, in with, the a, with a with a man at quarterback, like the age of Tom Brady. Yes, yes. Uh, maybe a little been, younger. <laughs> yeah, slightly, but not too far, uh, not too much younger. Uh, had, you know, he had been the best quarterback in the Mountain West over the course of the entire season. And so, like, it was on the road. UNLV, they hadn't, clearly, they hadn't clinched a spot in the championship game, but I, Apparently, these computer rankings were a, a known thing um, going into the week, and UNLV was like far and away ahead of everybody else. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm, they didn't have a spot for sure locked up, but it would have taken a lot for them not to get it. I'm, I'm not concerned about that game. Um, I do want to talk about Boise for a second, though. And this is like the most Boise thing of all time that they fire their coach 
and somehow still make the conference championship game. And I can see the stories writing themselves if they were to, to win this game. Um, but the thing is, is they fired their coach for a reason. Uh, this Boise State team, and uh, specifically the defense, is not what um, you would expect from a, a normal Boise State team. And from, from what he did last year with that defense, as a defensive guru, yeah. this was shocking. This was absolutely shocking. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was very shocking. And so, for, I mean, until I can't remember what week in the season it was, but until a long point in the season, uh, UNLV had scored more points on uh, Michigan than just about anybody else had. And, mm -hmm. and so like this UNLV offense is, is no joke. And so I, I ultimately, I think at the end of the day, um, this UNLV offense is going to be too much. I, you know, I never want to say that you're going to have a rowdy crowd at a UNLV game, but like, if there is a game, I think it'll be rowdy. <laughs> yeah. For them to, for the fans to, to show up, I think it's going to be, to be this one. And so, um, I, I just I like UNLV. I like what I've seen from them all season. They they have passed every single test that has been put in front of them, in my opinion, and that is absolutely not something you can say for Boise State. It's almost the exact opposite. It's like every time they have been tested, they have failed to pass the test or just barely eked by um, the test. So I think worst case, in my opinion, worst case, you should say this could be a pick'em. And so why the heck are we getting plus one twenty six? I have I have no idea. Love, love me some UNLV here. I've got San Jose State ranked 39th right now. And again, that's about who's healthy and who's playing right now. I think San Jose yeah. State was a tougher task than UNLV, and that was a tight contest. Boise yeah. State last week played an Air Force team that just cannot find its way. It was on their fourth string quarterback mm. throwing the ball at the end of that game, which like mm -hmm. it was just weird. And it's like, that's the win that got Boise in. And I, I just think it's like when you compare – that when you compare like UNLV played a tight game and lost against on the in road. my opinion yeah I thought it was at UNLV oh I thought it was on the road oops yeah whatever yeah. doesn't matter yeah <laughs> a, 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 a veteran quarterback at this point who, who's been, who's the best quarterback in the conference the best team in the conference is playing the best right now in my opinion played them tight Boise State played Air Force tight who just we were so high on it was so great but just has completely yeah. lost their way yeah. uh here lately all the injuries uh, I think their best their best wide receiver was out, yeah. uh, which which once they started having to pass now because they were behind and on the fourth stringer, like that doesn't bode well. Like it's just a was just a disaster of an ending of a season for Air Force as, as good as they looked, and and so I just think you know one team lost in a in a in a, I'm impressed way last week, whereas one team won in a that wasn't really impressive right. type type way for me. Um, the locals for UNLV have have on occasion shown their support for that team when they've been better. This is that time to come out and yeah. and show your support if you're in that area. A fantastic coach, fantastic offensive coordinator. Uh, the dream season continues, and yeah. I, I think it is hilarious that you you pointed that out with Boise State. We've long talked about Boise State is just the when you when you think one thing go the other way. When you think zig, they've zagged, and sure enough. This is like peak Boise firing their coach, and they mean like yeah. we're still going to make the conference championship game. Yeah. But in, at the end, as much as we joke about that, they are still, in my opinion, in a coin toss situation 
on the road and the odds are what make this a good play. I would not be playing you. It'll be at minus 126, but at plus 126, there's still tremendous value on them. SMU Tulane. I don't know the status of Preston Stone at this point. If I had to guess, I'd say we're not going to see him right now. I've plugged him in as doubtful, meaning that that, that I'm using 20% of him and 80% of the backup. That's unfortunate uh, for them. Maybe a questionable coaching decision to have him in at that point of the game. You know, who's to say? But that unfortunate turn of events could cost TCU or SMU, excuse me, uh, wrong private Christian school in the DFW area, um, <laughs> a shot at a New Year's Six game. Otherwise, though, you know, they, they match up very well with an incredible defense and an incredible offense, but that offense takes a big hit, and it's part of that offense taking a big hit that's leading us to take the under 50.5. This is just – we project to not be the same SMU offense – with the backup, we've seen it a little bit at times because Stone hasn't been 100% all season. But on top of that, this SMU defense doesn't get enough credit. And Tulane is a team that I'm not that high on. And we've seen Tulane's kind of the poor man's Washington, where they've won, but they really have not looked good doing it. They're winning a bunch of close yeah. games. And that's really manifesting itself with the offensive struggles. The defense is still playing fairly well, but the offense hasn't been able to get it going. Tulane's pace is well below average. SMU's an above average pace team, but also seems to hold every team they play other than like Rice, I believe, to like 10 points. So mm-hmm. yeah. we're going to go under 50 and a half. Model projects 45. Cousin Jared, we'd love us a 51 or a 52. So this is one where if you pay attention throughout the week enough, you don't have to get it now. Maybe get half of your bet down now just in case it drops. Uh, but this is one where you're kind of in a dead spot between key numbers. What's your take on it? Yeah, my take is, I mean, just look at those uh, overall rankings for the defenses in, in these yeah. two games. And even if Stone was playing, like definitely if, if he's not playing, um, you know, that makes me feel better about this bet. But even if, if, even if he were, I mean, look at those defenses. I mean, both of them extremely, extremely good. Um, this, this, and this is, this isn't a, um, an exact thing because the UTSA defense last season was not nearly as good, but the UTSA Troy bowl game from, from last year where Troy just had that amazing defense. And we were like, what's it going to be is Troy's got this amazing defense and UTSA has this great offense. What's going to happen? And that game ended up being like 19 to 16 or, or something like that. And I think you could very easily see something similar here with, with, with this game. Um, Again, both defense is amazing. Tulane, it, it, Tulane certainly has the ability to win this game by a, a larger margin, as does SMU, in my opinion. But just Tulane has shown us again and again that they are generally going to allow games to stay close. They're the they're the rich man, Sam Houston State. <laughs> yes, yes, they are the very wealthy uh, Sam Houston State uh, from, from back east. Um, yeah, they definitely. I, I just I. I I would be surprised. One of these teams is going to end up with like 17 points. I don't know which one it's going to be, but one of them is going to be with like 17 or 20 points. And I just don't know with Tulane's offense or SMU, potentially Sandstone, is going to be able to get to like 31. So that is my entire breakdown of this game. I just think there are so many ways this can go under with these two defenses involved. 
And when you look at SMU, and we've talked a lot about how they've just been on a mission really ever since that loss to TCU, which in hindsight uh, is a pretty bad loss. And TCU's only good one of the season, which we didn't really think much of at the time. But but now I would not expect that same result. Not mm-hmm. that I think TCU's any worse. I just think SMU's playing a lot better. But mm-hmm. when you look at the teams SMU's played and they put up a bunch of points on, put up 55 against Temple. That's Temple. And they put up 69 against Tulsa. That's nice, but it's Tulsa, right? They, they put up yeah. only 36 against Rice who, again, defensively isn't anywhere near as good as Tulane. They put a 45 against North Texas, who we talked about play better over the course of the season, but better on offense, and they play fast. They put right. up 38 on Memphis. They put up 59 on Navy, but like Notre Dame put up 59 on Navy. And you saw what happened in Notre Dame-Ohio State, which is a similar situation. Obviously, I'm not saying Tulane Ohio State are similar, but just in that when you go from what happens to playing a good team versus a bad team, right, yeah. that, that Notre Dame could score a ton on Navy too, and they couldn't score against Ohio State. And SMU could score on Navy, but like – can they score on Tulane? Like, I think I think you brought up the UTSA Troy Bowl game. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great an, an analogy here that this SMU defense is much much better than people realize, and the offense is good. It's just like it looks better than it is because the competition. Right. And now that they're playing a real defense, you know, I I still think SMU can absolutely win this game. But if they do, I think it's much more likely they win like 24-21. And not, you know, by putting up 50 points, because I'm not sure anybody's putting up 55 against Tulane other than the, you know, a team like Ole Miss, right? Or someone of that caliber of offense and pace, which SMU, I just don't think is quite to that caliber at this point. Yeah. And and that I have to say that is an excellent point that you made as far as SMU playing a real defense, um, because this, okay, this is going to be the literal worst worst analysis I have provided on this show since we have been doing it. This is this is going to be the worst analysis I've ever done. I'm, I'm telling you that up front so you can, like, viewer, you can skip the next minute if, if you want. But I, I want to just literally read off the other teams in this conference and just think about their defenses. Think about the other defenses that SMU has faced this season. UTSA, not great. Memphis, yikes. Uh, Rice, okay. <laughs> South Florida, woof. Uh, Navy, woof. Uh, North Texas, woof. Florida Atlantic, okay, Florida Atlantic's okay. UAB, woof. Tulsa, woof. Charlotte, eh, they're okay. Temple, woof. ECU, eh. Like, those are some bad defenses. Literally outside of Tulane and SMU, there was not another good defense in this conference. So, yeah. good, good, good point by you. Yeah, and, and of course, you talk about, old, you know, I mentioned Ole Miss. They only got to 37 against Tulane. And that's like, that seems like the cap, right? Like, I don't think SMU is going to do better than that, especially if Stone is in there. So I think this should be a great game. I just going to be a lot more defense than people realize. So we're going to go under 50 and a half. Again, 51, 52, the key numbers. If you want to keep shopping around, if you want to just play this, I think it's fine. I think the key numbers you should be worried about really are 44, 45, and 48. I think those are the more likely scenarios. Uh, so I think we're fine here. I don't think it's it's worth stressing about. But if, if you can get a 51, you know, even extra value, right? Which is never bad. We all, we never pass up value. Speaking of value, cousin Jared, we're back to the contrarian portion of the show. Uh, Sideline has Alabama ranked ahead of Georgia. Mm. And you may be Mm. saying, I just saw Alabama and they should have lost to Auburn. And I would say, did you see Georgia almost lose to, or should have lost to Georgia tech or barely beat Georgia tech? Who's, who's probably worse than Auburn. Mm. Um, I don't really know who's the better team. This is rounding error, the difference between 134 and 131 in the model. That is not – that is statistically insignificant mm-hmm. at this point to say which team is better. I think these are both very good teams. 
shockingly, Georgia, number one offense in the country, according to side limit, number 22 on defense. The defense mm-hmm. has just not been that good all season. We've seen them give up a lot of points, but the offense has been fantastic. And mm-hmm. with Bowers, of course, back, you know, even, even better. Bama's is strong on both sides of the ball. My whole analysis on this game is if you're backing Georgia, just remember what happened two years ago. Alabama needed four overtimes to beat Auburn. Everybody was on Georgia. I was on Georgia. Alabama won that game, and it wasn't even close. Georgia did win the rematch in the national championship game. But to say that Alabama doesn't have a chance in this game, based off last week, is completely ignoring what literally just happened so similarly two years ago. I'm not saying Alabama wins. Models is 55%. I don't know. Maybe that's a little bit high. I'm not giving Georgia any home field advantage here. Maybe they should get a little bit. It, it's a little closer, but I feel like the fans are usually pretty 50-50 in this one. It's obviously less travel. Maybe I sh- maybe I should be giving Georgia a tiny bit, and that puts it closer to 50-50. But this is pretty close to a coin toss game. The perception is that Alabama isn't any good. I would disagree. Plus 170 on Alabama, an A-grade pick. Tons of value in this. As always, you can take the points if you want. I'm taking the money line. Cousin Jared, what are you doing? I'm taking the money line too. Um, because kind of what – so you mentioned two years ago when Alabama blew them out. And, again, like I, I remember sitting on this show two years ago and saying yeah. this is a two-unit play because yep. how, yep. How, how is Georgia not going to blow out Alabama based on everything yep. that we had seen? And, and We love Georgia. <laughs> yes, and then sure enough, right after that, we were like, how could we ever bet against Nick Saban? Yep. Uh, and so, number one, uh, a similar theory to that, how can we ever bet against Nick Saban? But also just what have we seen from either of these team, two teams this season that makes us think this is not going to be a close hard fought game. Uh, I think this is going to be, you know, all the cliches here. This is going to be a four quarter game, blah, 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 all that stuff. I think that's exactly what's going to happen though. Um, I think you're right. We have seen a few cracks in the Georgia defense that we hadn't seen before. Still a very good defense, but some cracks that we haven't seen before. Um, This Alabama offense, not the, not the best in the world, but also Jalen Mil- Milrow just makes plays when he has to make plays, and you know I, somehow, I, yes, it's literally I, all it's literally all odds last week. Yes, <laughs> and, and so I think he's still going to continue to do that. So um, this is just for me. I think this is going to be a close game. So to your point, if, if you want to take the points, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But for me, I just like the, the plus one seventy two. That just seems crazy. When when I think that this game is probably you know close to to fifty fifty, maybe shaded towards Georgia a, a little bit. The fact that I can get plus one seventy two just seems uh, crazy to me. With with the greatest college football coach of all time and a playmaking quarterback, like I you know sign me up for. It. Not taking. I mean Georgia's great. Like yeah. you know Georgia's great. But like you, we always say, it's the number. It's yep. it's the number. Yep. This is a, a classic. Everybody's on Georgia. And that's creating value in Alabama. We don't know who wins. If we knew who would win, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> that would be a different story. So we have to understand, and, and this is where, and I, and I know I'm preaching the choir to some people, but but I really just want to make sure we're, we're thinking about this in the right way, which is we know we are going to lose bets. There's literally no other way around it. So knowing that you're going to lose bets your idea should not be to not lose bets. 
because you're never going to succeed. You will literally always fail. And personally, I don't want to sign up for something that I know I'm going to fail at. What I want to do is I want to make sure that my bets are at good prices so that when I lose, I lose less. When I win, I win more. And I want to get good numbers so that I lose less of them. Right. That's the thing here. I'm not playing Alabama at minus 200 in this game. That would be foolish, right? But because everybody's on Georgia, everyone's down in Alabama this year, it's created some value for us here to take a shot with oh, – I can't believe – I'm saying this is a very live underdog in Alabama. <laughs> and, and, and listen, hear me out, people. If you're going to sit there and say Alabama struggled with Auburn and beat them 27-24 – do you remember what Georgia did against Auburn? It was 27 to 20. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that different. And yeah. when you compare how these teams have played to similar opponents, it's not drastically different. I mean, there are a few differences. Like Ole Miss was a very different style of game. Georgia, yeah. again, with a fantastic offense, just put up a floppity billion points, whereas Bama just did not allow Ole Miss to get going at all yeah. and, and, and held them to only 10. So, I mean, it was a different style of game, but like neither one of – like both of these teams – I think my point is that both of these teams are really good. Neither one of these teams is as good as we've seen them before. Cousin Jared, this may shock you, but Georgia has allowed single-digit points, a grand total in conference games this season, zero times. The only time they've allowed single-digit points this whole season was to an FCS school and Ball State. Their mm. low was 10 against Tennessee, which they only did once. I mean, mm. in, in conference like that, that's not the Georgia defense we've known right now. They're, again, their offense is fantastic, but it's like, it's not the Georgia team from last year that was just like, right, just yeah. like, oh my gosh, this offense, oh my gosh, this defense. It's like, oh yeah. my gosh, this offense, the defense has some grass. Bama obviously is, is a flawed team. Both of them are very, very good, and there's just really no reason why Georgia yeah. should be favored by this much. They're favored by this much because everybody's down in Alabama. Georgia hasn't lost in a long time. Georgia yep. might win this game, but this is a great type value pick of Alabama. And I don't mean that in a cliche way. What I mean that literally is we've been taking picks like this all season and there's no reason to stop where if we have a wrong team favor or we think it's close to a coin toss, we can get these sort of odds. It's what builds our bankroll. It's done it all season yep. and there's no reason to stop. Yep. Nightcap. Speaking of, her quarterbacks, of course, she had uh, the Preston Stone thing, which we don't know about this one. We do know Jordan Travis will be around. We assume that Runemaker will be around. He came back in at the end of the game, so we think he's fine. I don't know. That was a brutal hit. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> we assume he's fine. Either way, the best unit on this field by far is Florida State's defense. That defense is so, so good. Yep. You saw it at the start of the season against LSU. Right, yeah. You saw it, and you saw it last week against Florida. They can give up yards, and then they can just clamp it down and stuff you where it matters at the end. And like that ability is very impressive, and that's what's carried them all season. This Louisville team is really good. We've liked backing Louisville all season. We're not actually here to talk about a side, though. We're going to talk about a total going under 51.5. This is 51.5 at two of the big four books. It's 51 at the other two. So make sure you shop around and get the winner on 51. But at least lock in 51. The model thinks the key numbers, again, you should be worried about here, 44, 45, 48. But you might as well get the extra value because, like we said, we are going to lose picks. We are going to lose bets. The sooner you accept that, the happier your life is going to be. So let's mm -hmm. try to minimize the damage as much as possible and maximize the good things. 
Why not get a better number? But the model projects 44.8 and this thinks it's way too high. Cousin Jared, we're doing more unders than overs here, especially in conference championship weekend, a lot on the line. Might end up with some more measured first half, some more cautious approaches, some more uh, cautious, you know, coming out of half times, right? Mm-hmm. Little things like that can create extra value that the model doesn't even know. But even aside from that, the model thinks that these defenses are so good and there won't be really any pace in this game to get plays going. I have to assume Florida State plays even slower without Jordan Travis than they did before. Louisville's going to really slow it down. If Florida State slows it down, this is not going to have that many possessions. It's going to be really hard to get up into the 50s. Under 51 and a half, the pick here, what you got? uh, Sometimes I think we neglect to consider the level of competition, how the level of competition ratchets up in conference championship weekend Mm -hmm. in general. And this Louisville offense, uh, again, nothing – to, to be ashamed of. They have played very well. All so season. much better than last year's too. <laughs> so much, so much better than last year. Um, but when you look at this Louisville offense relative to every other offense in a power five championship conference championship game. Okay. There's Iowa. That, that doesn't count. Um, they are the, it would say sideline would say that Oklahoma state and Louisville are, are about on par with each other. Um, I feel like Oklahoma State may be a little bit underrated there just because of how they started the season versus how they, they finished the, the season. And so I would say that, you know, maybe Louisville and o- Oklahoma State, let's let's say equal. Those those two are well below almost every other offense uh, in a Power 5 conference championship game. Again, nothing to be ashamed of Louisville, but I think that they are just outclassed going up against that Florida State defense. And I think that's really going to – going to show itself. Um, I, I think back to some of the bigger games that Louisville won this season, uh, and they were generally lower scoring games. Like specifically, I'm thinking of that uh, Notre Dame game um, where they beat Notre Dame. That was a, a low scoring game. Flipped that around. I mean, what, what did we see from Florida State on offense last week that made us think that this is going to be a super high scoring, get up and down the field affair? Um, I mean, I, Florida State ran the ball a lot. I, I would have done the same thing. If I were them, I just, you know, would have ran it three yards in the cloud of dust. It wouldn't surprise me if they do that again here and say, hey, we're just going to run the ball as well as we can defense. Um, we're going to need you to carry us in this game. So I think this is just like mostly to do with Florida State's defense, partially to do with what I saw from Florida State on, on offense last week to where I, I think I, I can't personally, I can't believe that we're going, we, we're getting 51 here. If yeah. you would have told me this was 50 and a half, or 49 and a half, I would have said fine. Um, can't can't I still said under. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Me too. Right? I just can't believe that we're getting 51. Yeah, here. yeah. I, I agree. Florida State, Florida was 25 to 14, and honestly, that seems like the blueprint for this game too. Like Florida is maybe a little bit worse than Louisville, but but I don't think by that much. Like Florida's decent. They were at home, which gives them a little bit boost, which helps narrow the gap between them and Louisville. And Florida was literally p- pulling out all the stops, you know, mm-hmm. at home last game of the season, rivalry game started off five and two, yeah. still needing one more win for a bowl victory. So like, I think the fact that Florida was literally like emptying literally every kitchen cupboard they could find and at home probably bridges the gap between the fact that Louisville's just a better team. Right. So like we're, 
in a pretty similar situation to that. And last week's game had 39 points. Like if this game had 39 points, I'd be like, absolutely. Honestly, that might seem a little bit high because some of what Florida state did last week didn't work. And you have to wonder if they're going to get a little more conservative and try to, again, really let the defense win the game and not have the offense screwed up. So I don't know. I just don't see why we aren't looking at last week's as again, the blueprint, a Louisville offense that's much improved. Uh, but again, they still have a better defense than offense. Their defense has been what's really good. Like you said, you p- point out that Notre Dame game was low scoring. That's their game plan here. Win uh, mm-hmm. a win a grind it out type game. That's that's their path to success. Florida State, their defense has carried them all season. I don't see why I wouldn't hear uh, under fifty one and a half. Just insanely good value in our opinion. Okay. And there is your recap, cousin Jared. Before we sign off, any parting words? from conference championship weekend. We'll do some bowl shows, but other than bowl shows, we're, we're, we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Yeah. And, and of course we're going to be able to, you know, talk about the army Navy game at some point, which, you know, how low can a total go? Uh, I, I know that Iowa has set the bar really low, mm, um, I really have. but, but I, I think army and Navy might be able to give them a run for their money um, this year. So yeah, we'll still be around to, to talk about the, the bowl games coming up. And, you know, it's also a Christmas season and we all know how much I'm a fan of Christmas movies. And so, you know, just stick around and you might get get a reference to, you know, the latest Hallmark entry that's come out or maybe a classic that you haven't thought about in a while. So, you know, stick around. You never know when we might drop something related to the holidays in one of these college football shows. Uh, for those who were not here, uh, was which it two years pro- ago? Which, which statistically it was mo- almost none of you. Yeah, we were two. I think it was two years ago. Yeah. At the end of one of the bowl episodes, you gave us your top five Christmas list, and it was the yeah. worst content I think we've ever had. So I don't, yeah. I don't know how. I mean, you tried to top it today, I guess, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how we top that. So uh, yeah. that's that's the long running joke now. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, though, again, a reminder: if you want to join on Dub Club, you get your first month for only nine ninety nine. A ton of uh, information. Uh, metrics etc predictions team totals all the goodies given out over there on a daily basis uh, for college basketball and of course a, a multiple updates throughout the week for college and pro football uh, and again as i mentioned last week remember that if you sign up here before the end of the year your price is locked in at that rate forever so that's something to keep in mind too not only get a discount on your first month but lock in that price forever that qr code on the screen the link in the show description or the promo code CBB2023. Otherwise, thanks for watching, and we will see y'all later. Mm-hmm.